This is Curiosity Killed the Plaque with hygienist Spring Hatfield on the Today's RDH Dental Hygiene Podcast. Listen as Spring uses her naturally curious mind to explore the relevant topics hygienists currently face today. dental professionals and tooth enthusiasts, are you aware that dentistry is the only area of healthcare that requires a live board patient exam for licensure? In no other area of healthcare is this an acceptable practice. Let's talk about the ethics of using live board patients in dental licensure. This is Curiosity Killed the Plaque, and I'm Spring Hatfield. I always find it really fascinating whenever I bring up this topic and other hygienists say to me, um, well, I had to do it, so you know, everyone should have to do it. That is a logical fallacy. It is an appeal to tradition fallacy, which basically says this is the way we've always done it. So this is the way we should do it, no matter how outdated the procedures or the requirements are. And I don't think I need to tell you or even say this out loud, but that's a good way to prevent progression of a profession or of anything in in general, as a matter of fact. But As far as hygiene goes, dental hygiene, we really need to be focusing on progressing our profession in a way that gives us not necessarily a ton of autonomy, like we can have our own practices. Some people do want that, but that doesn't necessarily mean we have to push it to that level. But we do need to be able to be cognizant of the fact that there are certain things that are holding us back. And live board patients are not necessarily holding the profession back, but it is holding us to, um, well, it's allowing us to be somewhat unethical from the very beginning of our careers. Uh, so I would like to highlight a, a few of those aspects of using lab board patients that are not only unethical, but may not reflect the abilities of the person taking the board, which is both things are, are terrible because someone who is a great clinician may not pass all because of one one incident with one specific patient. So first, let's consider the possibility of failed procedures. What happens if the treatment being provided to the patient for the board exam is determined to be a failure? I don't know all um, clinical board's requirements because I only took one. Uh, Mine was in Florida, and we were required to do a certain number of teeth. We had to do non-surgical periodontal therapy. So if my board patient, I did the non-surgical periodontal therapy and it was determined to be a failure, what happens then? Well, that patient has to go out and seek care to get the treatment that they originally thought they were getting. It opens a door for a possible civil lawsuit for compensation for, uh, you know, I mean, people burn themselves with a hot pickle at McDonald's and can see can can sue. So can you imagine uh, a a lawsuit for lost wages, lost time, pain and suffering? I mean, who knows? I'm I'm not a lawyer, so I can't even begin to think of all the aspects of that. But that is certainly a concern, too. And probably that is large part of one of the reasons why, as we are students, we do have to carry some level of liability insurance. But more so, it's putting the patient at risk of 
their disease progressing before they get a chance to actually get it taken care of whenever you think of failed procedures. And what's even worse is failed procedures on a dental board. Um, it's bad enough that a failed procedure in dental hygiene board could cause a patient to have to seek further care or possibility of their disease progressing and, I mean, potentially losing teeth. But a failed dental board where the patient has to seek further care regarding, you know, possible root canal therapy or something like that, that's, that's really uh, a serious concern too. So live patient clinical board exams also, uh, they, they, they violate the patient's bill of rights because in the patient's bill of rights, the patient comes expecting a certain treatment or a certain outcome. And if that outcome is less than what is expected or explained to the patient, then that is a violation of their bill of rights. So when your patient comes for the clinical board, we tell them, you know, this is what we're planning on doing. We get informed consent, the whole nine yards. But is it very clear to the patient that there's a possibility that this person that's doing your clinical board could fail, be determined to be a, a failure and you will have to seek treatment elsewhere? I'm not sure how clear that is and how much the patients understand that, but if it is not clear and it is not well understood by the patient, that is a violation of the patient's Bill of Rights. It's also arguably a violation of the Belmont Report. If you've never taken any courses in clinical research, you may not be familiar with the Belmont Report, so I'm gonna give you a, a quick synopsis of what it is. Uh, the Belmont Report was signed into law in 1974. It was signed into law right after the end of the Tuskegee syphilis study, which was extremely unethical. And so this Belmont, the Belmont Report was signed into law as a direct result of the ethics that were associated with that. And it provides the ethical principles that have to be followed whenever you're using a human subject for research. Now I can hear some of you, some of the hygienists that are on board with the live board patients saying, well, this isn't research, but it technically is. We are trying to find out if a clinician can and is, is able to properly treat patients safely and effectively. So that is a type of research and that's how it can arguably be a violation of the Belmont Report. I've always wondered how dentistry's gotten away with this for so long, but anyhow, it does, it, it does technically violate the Belmont Report, some aspects of it anyway. Another example of how the live board patient clinical exams violate the Belmont report is that though the clinical boards are testing for competency, it is also testing for incompetency. And that is actually a violation of the patient's bill rights, not necessarily the Belmont report. I, I misspoke there. So I would say that is a violation of the patient's bill of rights, not necessarily the Belmont report, but maybe a little bit of both. Nonetheless, whenever we're taking these tests, we claim we're, we're testing for competency, but it's also testing for incompetency, and that is a violation of the patient's rights, and again, arguably um, a violation of the Belmont Report. The live board patient clinical exam also can expose patients to unnecessary harm, not only through failed procedures, but also due to delayed treatment. Think about this. How long do we look for that perfect board patient? 
And once we've found them, how long must this patient wait for treatment? All in the name of determining a student's competency, which has already been determined through clinical courses required by both dental and dental hygiene programs. We're talking mock boards, clinical competencies. Um, I had to take a clinical competency test on how to properly wash my hands. That was our very first clinical competency test. And I literally almost had an anxiety attack worried about washing my hands properly. So we've been tested on all of these things. And here's another very unethical thing. How much did you pay your board patient to show up? People do that all the time. They pay these patients to show up and that is so unethical. I can't even begin to count the ways. So we don't have a choice though, because we want to ensure that we have a patient there to treat, to pass our boards, because we've worked all this time, two to four years, trying to get to this one point. It's like the grand finale of it all. And if we make a mistake, if we don't pass, all that hard work is for naught, or it would seem, though it was, you can take the boards over again, but it's pretty disappointing when you, when you fail them the very first time you take them. And my biggest complain, complaint, excuse me, my biggest issue with the live clinical board patient exam is that it is absolutely impossible to standardize live patients. Can't be done. You cannot do it. No way, shape, or form can you standardize a live human. It just can't be done. So I will use my own personal experience as an example. My live board patient was my brother. He had a vested interest in my success. He was willing to go above and beyond to make sure that I passed this exam. He took off of work. He traveled several hours. He spent the night in a hotel. He endured probably some uncomfortable treatment because, you know, I wasn't the best clinician right out of the gates. I'm sure that I did a little, some uncomfortable maneuvers there. Like my tactic, my technique wasn't exactly perfect. Nonetheless, he didn't even flinch. He just managed it. He did it. He didn't care because he wanted me to succeed. He had my best interest at heart. Now, on the flip side, I had classmates that had to find their patients off the streets, people they've never even met before, people that would come into the clinic, they would get screened, and guess what? They wouldn't get their treatment that day because we would have to save them for this person to take their clinical boards. And these patients had no vested interest in this person's success. They didn't know this person from Adam's house cat. So they would show up for the clinical boards after they've been paid to come, yet the clinician still had to worry about if this patient was going to show up in addition to taking their board exam. So when you have a patient that's just off the streets that you don't know or or have no um, connection with, it's a, it's a huge risk and even more stress-inducing than some, having someone that you do know and that you can rely on. So that makes it completely biased, in my opinion, and not at all an equal playing field, not even a little bit. So here are my, here's my summation of my arguments against live clinical boards. Number one, 
standardizing human subjects anatomically, physiologically, and psychologically is impossible. I don't care what your argument is. It is impossible to standardize a live human. Number two, delays in treatment just so patients can be clinical board patients. They have to have their treatment postponed until it is convenient for us, not them. That's not okay. The expense of using human subject, fees paid to patients, compensation for tra transportation and living expenses, all of those crazy things that are unethical beyond belief. Four, patient discomfort. The length of the examination procedures are excessive. A patient could go to a regular private practice, corporate dentistry, whatever you want to say, and get the same treatment in a quarter of the time that they are going to be spending in the examination room with you just to determine if you are competent or not, which has by the way, already been determined in the fact that you've passed all your mock boards and all your clinical examinations. Number five, the risk associated with procedures. Okay, maybe there's not a ton of risks whenever you think of um, dental hygiene, but there are risks associated. You cannot discredit the fact that there are some risks and there's even more risks associated with dental boards and they too have to have live board patients. Liability of unacceptable treatment or inappropriate care. There is huge liability there for the patients if their treatment goes poorly. Um, this is, in most cases, more applicable to dental boards, but it can also apply to dental hygiene boards. If, if we weren't in a position to actually cause harm, we wouldn't be having to do all these testings and um examinations and all the schooling that we have to go to and all of that. If there wasn't a risk of us hurting someone, then in some way, then anyone off the street could be a dental hygienist. And I think we all agree that that seems insane. And lastly, the liability of treating a human subject in a highly stressful environment. And what I mean by that is you are not on the top of your game whenever you are knowing that you're being tested for your clinical exam and knowing that the outcome will determine your future. The level of stress that is going on in your body, the amount of turmoil, the different hormones that are being released that have put you into fight or flight mode, likely, is not a safe scenario for you or the patient. So the entire idea of live clinical board patients is beyond outdated. It's time that we move forward. It's time that we change a few things in dentistry, this being one of them. Because we can determine someone's competency without having to have them take one single live board patient exam because we take hundreds of them during our uh, entire stint in dental hygiene school. If you have any questions, comments, concerns about anything I've said today, please feel free to reach out to me. My email is spring at todaysrdh.com. And I hope that you will, if you were team live board patient before, I hope you will consider the things that I have mentioned in this podcast and be open to the idea of change. We can't move forward if we're not willing to be open to change. Bye guys. Until next time, stay curious.
Thank you for listening to the Today's RDH Dental Hygiene Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.